This is Gigi Sabat, and you're listening to the Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Sharona Bishop. Welcome to the show. Hey, Gigi, thank you so much for having me on. What an honor to be with you today. This is awesome. Likewise, such an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us more about you and where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a mom. I've got four beautiful kids. I've been married for almost 25 years. I grew up in Colorado, fourth generation there. And if people know about Colorado, we're just really strong, gritty people. We know what we know. We're largely conservative and um, just traditional family values, gas, oil, farming, um, ranching country. I mean, we're just really good down-home people. And um, I I really just was kind of living my life being a mom. I had some small side businesses that I did. And throughout the course of being a mom, you know, you kind of start figuring out what your purpose is and what you're, you know, what God's calling you to do. And so I've lived a very normal, um, just pretty average life. Um, grew up a little bit hard, and which I'm thankful for now because we need tough people. We need tough people at the helm who are used to getting punched in the face so they can weather the storms. But that's pretty, that's been my background, just really a good life as far as um, the life that we created with our family. And uh, and then uh, then life took a, a turn in 2017. Tell us a little bit more about the turn. Yeah. So, you know, when you have kids, everything that you're doing is you're always taking into consideration how it's going to affect them, what their future is going to be like. And in 2017, my kids were in middle school. They had been at a charter school, a Liberty classical type charter school, excuse me, sorry about that. And, um, and they, they basically, you know, adults should never listen to children really, like when it comes to serious life decisions. And uh, it's certainly not um, a change from a really great rigorous education to a public school setting. But you know what we did, we bought into it. And we were like, okay, our kids begged us, they just wanted to be normal. They wanted to have like normal school experiences. And uh, we thought, you know what, we raised our kids really well. We were patting ourselves on the back. Like, we've done such a good job. They're going to be fine. It'll be great. And you know what? I'll be there all the time. It's I'm used to it. In a charter school, usually you have to put in parent hours. So, like, you're just kind of used to the deal. And uh, so we put our kids in public school. And um, it was not very long into it that our son started having some real challenges at school, going from being a pretty good, uh, an excellent student and a pretty good kid at school to just being absolutely out of control, uh, grades bombing, having issues with teachers at school, and then just overall kind of being this kind of angry kid. And I had called the school, we we had a big episode where my my child, yes, my child had decided to flip off the t- a teacher and I was mortified, but I was like, what's going on? Cause this is not even something we've ever dealt with until now, so what's going on? I called the school and I'm like, I'm coming down. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't come into the classroom. There's like privacy things and I was like, that's not a thing. And they're like, oh, yes. So I checked with a superintendent that I knew. And they're like, no, get to the school. There's nothing that prevents you from being in the classroom. So I did. I went down there. I walked in. I said, I'm going to my kid's class. And I sat through the class. Here's what was happening. This push for low expectations. It First of all, it is so demeaning to children. And they know it. These kids were in sixth grade doing third grade work at best. And I, I'm telling you, the hypocrisy of these low expectations, the damage it does to kids, the boredom that sets in, the fact that it's not challenging boys at all. You know, girls will be studious pretty much no matter what situation you put them in. We just have, we just tend to be a little bit more that way. But boys need to be challenged. And they, and my son really was demonstrating that he felt disrespected. Like this was child baby work. And this is what the public school system was offering. So long story, uh, or the story kind of plays out over a couple of years. And um, eventually we were just more and more involved. I started learning about who was who was 
um, pushing the curriculum? Who was setting these low standards and expectations? Why was a public charter school way more rigorous, way more challenging, um, way better for kids than the public school, uh, public school system? And both of them were free. Right. You could put your kids in either one. You may have more personal investment time in the in the charter, obviously. Um, but the, the public school system received a heck of a lot more money, paid their teachers a heck of a lot better. And yet their outcomes were terrible, absolutely terrible. In the state of Colorado, children right now, uh, their their um, efficacy levels are less than 25 percent in math and reading right now across the state. These kids can't read or write or do math on grade level in the state of Colorado. And pretty much this is consistent across the board in Democrat controlled states predominantly. Um, Texas is a little bit different. They do have a better outcome, but essentially it's still low expectations and low standards. So we, you know, we figured out it's the school boards. It's the people you're electing who are sitting at the helm, who are supposed to be advising on curriculum, who are supposed to be regulating curriculum and then um, deciding what works and what doesn't work. Along with that, you have your, your state um, Department of Education that was pushing through and beginning to push through radical LBGTQ hypersexual agenda. And that's really where, for me, everything dramatically shifted. When I realized that the government is actively pursuing kids in public school to dumb them down and then traumatize them is when things really took a turn for me. Um, in 2019, Colorado elected a very, very progressive leftist, first gay governor in the country, which we didn't know, by the way. The internet was scrubbed of his relationship. Nobody even knew. Um, in fact, the, the day after he was elected is when it like blew up everywhere, but nobody knew it, uh, before that. And you couldn't find it anywhere on the internet. Cause I looked, cause someone told me and I was like, what? No, he's not. And he was, he was hyped up as a libertarian. And the only reason I'm talking about him is because he's planning to run for president also. And so people will see his name more and more. It's Jared Polis. His first 90 days in office, he enacted one, one law in particular called comprehensive sex education. And a lot of parents right now might be thinking this was a fantasy. It's not really real. It's not as bad as they say it is. You're just making stuff up. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I got on Facebook and I, I pulled the bill up and I read it on a Facebook live. Okay. That's all I did. I just read the bill and people were like thousands they're like, you're stupid. You don't know how to read a bill. You don't even know what's going on. Government can't do that. That would never happen. And I was like, you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, sympathy because I was also shocked that government would propagate the sexualizing and grooming of children using your taxpayer dollars funded through and by Planned Parenthood into our public school education system. I, too, was shocked by that and thought this cannot be happening. But it absolutely was. The bill allowed essentially for the grooming of children 12 years old and up in the state of Colorado, comprehensive sex education having three major components. One, it's woven throughout all your classes. So it's suggestive in a math problem. It might show a picture of two, two moms. You know, Bobby's two moms bought three cakes and five apples. What's five plus three? Right. So you're, you're seeing an unnatural family unit in there and you're like, oh, that's weird. And it goes into your subconscious. Um, it might be um, a, a non-binary looking student in a, an English on an English paper that you're working on. Um, it might just be even um, even just undermining the, the family unit in a story in English, anything like that. And then you would get to point number two, which is it became positive and affirming. When we had sex ed, it was about your body parts. And girls are going to have this time where they start this thing and boys are going to have start having this issue. You would be separated out and it would be biology. You really discussed the physical changes that were happening in your body. I don't think any parent really had a problem with that. 
but comprehensive sex education brought the two sexes that brings them together. These children are literally using wooden appendages in a mixed class learning how to put condoms on. These children are watching, um, they're watching extremely graphic and violent sexual scenes. They're, they're showing them what a rape looks like. These children are doing affirming situations, any type of sexual situation that will not get you pregnant. So you can use your imagination for that. I'm not sure what the rating is on this show, but everything that is that will not get you pregnant is what they discuss because that's an affirmative way to engage in sex without getting pregnant. Um, homosexual relationships, just like they teach how to perform heterosexual, they're teaching how to perform homosexual. Uh, and, and it's shocking. I agree, 100% shocking. But this is absolutely what is going on in the majority of states across the country, and they don't even know it. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Sharona. Now, what changes do you hope to see in our education system? Well, I, you know, at this point, I, the changes I want to see is more parents pulling their, their kids out of the public education system because it is not set up for your child to succeed right now. I would love to see the money follow the child into private sector schools. I would love to see far more charters established um, in the private sector as well. And the biggest complaint that I hear from teachers on this, which is not a legitimate complaint, it's just not, is um, if they have to share the money, then they won't succeed. That's right, because you're failing kids. You're failing teaching. You're not teaching anymore. You teach to tests. And if all those students don't take the test, you don't get your, your bonus, your increase. And I'm not faulting teachers. This is how the system is set up right now. So you're required by law to teach a radical hyper homosexual agenda for history in order for these, these children to graduate. That bill has spread across the country as well. Texas, there are very few states right now that are actively standing against this stuff and saying absolutely not. It's not going to come here. We're not allowing it. Um, but then it also is district by district. So I would really, I, I want to continue to see the mass exodus of our children from these public school systems because they're not education-based anymore. They're massively low expectations, like I explained. They also eliminate the parent. And that is the most significant thing that we're seeing is that across the country, you have uh, teachers. And I, I really, um, I don't like the terminology. I think words are very important. When teachers are calling our children kiddos, I don't like that. They are students. They're not your kiddos and they're not your children. They have parents. And even what we might say is the worst parent, that is still their parent and that is their family unit. That's that's what God gave them. And that's what they have to deal with. And I, I, I very much think that teachers deciding that they are the savior of students, the best way to save a student is to make sure they can read and write on grade level. So when they can, they can they can go on to flourish in the life that they create. And what has happened instead is teachers are seeking out children to become more victims, make them more victimized, more traumatized, so they can swoop in and be the savior for that child. It's a very interesting paradigm that has happened in just the last seven years, five to seven years that we've really seen it speed up. But that is what's happening. Instead of wanting to educate to save children, they're just swooping in with social programs and social agendas to quote, save children. Um, the parents have to be the primary source. They have to be the ones that children are being referred to. Um, massive, very important laws that have been put into place just this last week. Washington right now is in the middle of a very important vote. Colorado just voted on this, this act as well as California. And it literally states that children 12 years old and up do not have to have parental consent of any kind for any type of medical treatment period. Now, you know where they're going with this. Okay. They already do not have to have um, consent by a parent for mental health services of any kind. Okay. They don't have to have consent for prescriptive authority, right? To be able to grant prescriptions to your child. 
in these states. And in your state, you're going to need to look into it and figure out what's happening there. I know Indianapolis, I got an ear, um, Indiana, yeah, Indiana, I got an ear full last night about Indiana. It's happening in these states that are typically pretty quiet. We don't know what's happening there. Those, these bills are being quietly passed through those legislatures as well. And they are Xing the parent out because the state wants so badly to um, bring up this next generation to do the will, I think, of a, of a more globalist, globalist government to take away nationalism, to take away Christianity, to take away patriotism. And I, for some good news for those who are, are like, good grief, Sharona, because I know it gets heavy, but the reality is if you put your child into the system, you know, you can't be mad. Someone has said, if you send your children to Rome, don't be mad when they come back as Romans. I get it now. I really do. I mean, I, I wanted to believe so much. I wanted to be like, you know, but these are good people. I like the teachers. They're super nice. Yes, but they're still teaching the agenda because that's the curriculum. It's in the curriculum. And most teachers are not going to stand up and be critical thinkers and say, no, I'm not teaching this. In fact, I've watched over and over where teachers just fall in line and say no. Uh, or excuse me, say, yes, this is fine. This is what we're going to do. You just need to stop acting so crazy, parent. And we know in our heart of hearts that sexualizing children is wrong. They're not sexual beings. The WHO uh, World Health Organization had already deemed that five years old and up children were sexual beings. And now they're dubbing it from um, six months old and up that they are in fact sexual beings, opening up the door to predatory pedophile behavior on children. So there's an ultimate agenda here that has infiltrated the public school system. And many people would say there's never been a time that the public school system has been that great. But you know what? When I went to school, I, I you know, I really wasn't told. Um, I definitely, I definitely never walked away feeling like I should not love my country. I definitely never felt like anybody was challenging my Christianity or questioning my trust and belief in God. Um, I remember open public discussions. You know, we could, we could argue about stuff and fight about, um, uh, you know, a lot, oh gosh, a lot of different things. Um, I can't think of the word right now, um, where the process in which the world was created, all of that. I remember having lots of debates I, and I never felt like I was going to be sent to the principal's office for declaring there was only two genders. You know, uh, we really had critical thinking. We had education happening. And even though not everybody made it through, that was the point. Everybody wasn't always going to succeed. And in the in the world that we're living in right now, it is a um, lower the standards as low as you possibly can so that everybody can can get across that low um, expectation bar and it's not serving us. I heard a report just yesterday that 67% of men under 30 years old are not pursuing relationships. They're not pursuing any type of family model whatsoever. That is devastating. That's a generation of children that have grown up in this low expectation system and they are not pursuing anything in life. That is a very dangerous thing for the future of America it obviously it breeds not only weak men, um, but no children for the future. So there's a lot that has been happening in our education system that we've not been aware of that would help to bring about these results. I mean, think about it. You've got your child in school eight hours a day, five days a week. They spend the majority of time with those people. That's their largest source of influence is these people they're spending 40 hours a week with. When they get home to you, they've got sports, dinner and bed. And that's it. They're not getting the best of what you have to offer. So that's what I would mostly suggest and hope to see is parents really grabbing onto the responsibility of their own children and finding clever ways to educate their children with the information that you deem best for your child. Thank you, Sharona. Now tell us what gives you the most joy? Oh, I'm so glad you're asking this. I love to see things get done. I really love to see things have their start 
their their battle and then winning the war. And I think this is a war that we desperately need to win. And the reason why I wanted to remind people that during COVID, for example, when we learned about the low expectations of children. So for me, it all goes back to my to kid to my kids. And then, of course, by extension, the people that are going to be taking care of the next generation, um, other people's children. I we, we all got a dose of what was happening in schools. We heard the teachers. Um, we heard what was on the on their agendas. It was so sad. And we saw kids um, for the first time. We, we learned about the sex education. We had the understanding of what was happening with CRT. We were just hearing all of this stuff as parents because our kids were in the next room and we could hear their computers and what these teachers were saying to them. And we really should have trusted our instincts and pulled our kids out of the public school, uh, public school system in mass at that time. And some people did, right? It was good. But what it also did was it motivated all of these parents who started showing up at their school board meetings and groups of people in the community started showing up. That gives me so much incredible joy and hope for the future when I see people taking time from their, their regular everyday lives, their responsibilities, their luxuries, their entertainment to come out and stand up for children, especially in the public school system. The fact of the matter is this, 85% of children utilize the public school system. Now, I, I think that number is shrinking. I think it is down to 80% right now. Um, but you know, as time goes, people might settle back in and put their kids back in. I totally get it. It's somewhat of a convenience thing. It's a social thing. It's all of that. Um, but what really brought me in tremendous joy and continues to is to see parents digging in. And in spite of being called um, domestic terrorists, put on terrorist watch lists, these parents kept showing up. Watching parents stand up against government what in any um, situation is very encouraging to me because that is the proper order of things. The people are here. We, the people are here to hold our government accountable and hold them responsible for what they do. And we're also here to cheer them on when they do good things, right? So I don't want to leave that off the table, but there hasn't been a whole lot of good things they've been doing lately. And during COVID, when they were challenged for the first time, they did not handle it well. They reached out to, to Merrick Garland and the DOJ and asked that these parents be put on domestic terrorist watch lists, which is absolutely outrageous and unconstitutional. And it requires um, a very diligent citizenry to keep that kind of a government in check. And yet parents did it anyway. Um, for us and our family, we were put on that watch list as well. Uh, a number of our parents, because our parents, we were super upset. I mean, we had police officers showing up at school, blocking the doorways of five-year-olds to get into a school because they would not wear a mask. That is literally what we were living under in rural Colorado, where this sort of thing never would have happened before. But people were you know, so full of fear. And then they got, um, I think, really sucked into what they felt was their little bit of power that they had to the point they would call police on five-year-old children and block them from entering the school. So for us um, and for those that we were friends with, that we watched this happening to and seeing the divide that was being caused by elected officials, you know, we dug in. I love seeing citizens um, pass out cease and desist orders and put their elected officials in check. You know, right now we have library books that are being challenged at these school board meetings and the school board members are berating parents. They're making fun of them. Um, they're saying, we're not gonna be banning books. They're, these libraries in schools have pornographic material that has no place, pornography. It's not just a reading book. 
is pornography and federal laws actually prevent that type of material from being in the hands of minors. But school board members need to be put in check and told, no, you're not going to do that. So that's a huge point of satisfaction for me. And it's exactly what the citizenry is supposed to be doing. In our family, in November uh, of 2021, all of this really came to a head for us. We were watching elections. I had helped in several different elections throughout our state and our community. And um, you talk about government overreach. When you're doing your job and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're rallying your community to do the same thing, because that's what it's really supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about just what Sharona's doing. It's supposed to be about the influence I can have in my community to build these wonderful people up, give them back their constitutional authority, their godly authority to stand up for what is right, to defend their own natural rights and protect the natural rights for their children. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. This is a constitutional republic. It's not a kingdom. I like, you know, for me, I don't know about you, Gigi, but for me, when I hear people are like, when, when Trump gets back, everything's going to be right. I'm like, this is not a kingdom. Okay. This is a constitutional Republic. We were never supposed to feel the president of the United States this much. We were never supposed to feel the Senate or the Congress this much. We were never even supposed to feel the governor in our own state this much. And so it's, it's very off kilter because we're giving up and surrendering our authority to these figureheads who by and large, as, as it has been shown with Trump, there is very little that he could actually accomplish. And we, the people, have to be the solution that we're, we're looking for. So I, I, I go back to this, um, this day. I, you know, I, I was taking my role very seriously at this point because I realized that government is bad. Thomas Paine said it, you know, government's but a necessary evil. He knew firsthand how evil government could be. And, you know, as a side note, since we're talking about Thomas Paine, he was part of the liberation of the slaves. And, you know, right now in Congress today, we have a whistleblower who is giving testimony about the role that the government has played in the trafficking of children in this country. She is a DHS whistleblower. I mean, these kind of things are what we, the citizens, are supposed to be putting our government back in check for and saying, no, not on our watch, right? Because government inherently is bad. It's just how it is. We've been warned. And just because good people are a part of the government does not minimize the government's badness. It's bad. It's a necessary evil. So in November 2021, I'm homeschooling my two littlest. We had pulled them out and we weren't participating in the government structure, uh, school, school, public school system at that time. And uh, we heard a knock on the door and then it just got progressively insane. They're banging, they're yelling. Um, at, at one point, I think I heard them say, you know, this is the FBI, we have a warrant. And you know what, Gigi? Ah, I literally, I had just pulled a, a berry cobbler out of the oven. Like I'm just, we're living our life, we're doing our thing. My husband's working downstairs and he came upstairs and uh, we kind of, we looked at each other and I was like, I, I felt, I felt very I felt very nervous. Very, I didn't really know what to do. I don't know how many people are planning for that scenario when the government comes banging on your door with their warrants. And um, so I asked my boys to go in their room and just wait there till we figured out what was going on. Right before we could get to the door, they took a battering ram to my door. They had their guns drawn. They were acting crazy. My husband um, has been in criminal justice and worked in judicial for over 24 years. We were very much, you know, back the blue, orderly, law-abiding people. And that is the thing I want to stress the most. Right now, I'm not fringe. I'm not right-wing. I'm not, I'm, I'm a very law-abiding citizen. I knew what my rights were. I knew what these elected officials were supposed to be doing. I knew what the law said. 
and I was holding them accountable to it and they did not like it. Not at all. And that day, their demonstration of force, which was completely uncalled for, totally uncalled for, did not have to do that. There was, I don't have a criminal history. I'm not violent. Like I said, they knew my husband was in criminal justice. I mean, it, it, they came out in force intending to shut us up and stop what we were doing. And just, just to kind of give your audience some insight, in the state of Colorado that November, we had flipped 13 school boards across the state of Colorado to parent control. We were really making a difference in our state. This mother coalition across that state um, was incredible. Douglas County had a most incredible moms group, um, Colorado Springs, like these big, big communities. And they were able to flip those school boards to parent control. It was a very big deal. And we were really having a massive impact in elections. And um, so you partner that with the, the position we were taking with school boards the fuss we were making. We had also just flipped a very important school board on our side of the mountain and um, served cease and, desist, cease and desist letters to my school board. We were holding them accountable and they don't like it. They just don't. But I think at this point, if you're going to, if you, if you just need to prepare yourself, you've got to put on your armor. And when something like this happens to you or when you start feeling the harassment of the government because you're doing and saying the right things, you need to double down. You don't back down. You don't get in a corner and, and go away quietly. No way. You're already too far in. And, and especially if you're leading other people. I think about the founders a lot um, only because of the, of the rea reality that they faced, which was by actively disentangling themselves from the crown. They knew they this was like a suicide mission. What was the likelihood that they could even succeed? Very minimal, very small. The majority of people still wanted to be under the crown. They weren't even in. They weren't even in step with this whole freedom thing. This was very um, is a small percentage of people that were on this freedom train, and they knew that if they lost, they were losing everything: their lives, their treasure, everything. And there would be no honor. There would be no sacred lineage. You know, nothing to pass on. And that really meant something back then. And so I've thought about that a lot, not because that's necessarily where I'm at, because there are people who have far more influence, far more reach. They have far more authority that God has given to them, and they're not utilizing it. And they, they have the ability, like the founders, to make a massive impact in the hit time that we're living in right now. And Gigi, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. And so God is calling the nobodies like me and saying, I guess you get to do this. <laughs> I'm tapping you. You're doing this and you're going to get into the fight. And the only thing I can say is um, after that morning, they did handcuff, you know, they did the whole thing. Um, we, they were there for three and a half hours going through every nook and cranny of my house, taking pictures of everything, took my stuff. I still don't have it back. Probably one of the saddest things is they took my phone, my laptop and my computer and my thumb drive. And those have a lot of pictures of my child's elementary and middle school years on there. And he's graduating this year. And I don't have any of that stuff for his, you know, for his graduation, you know, just the good memories. We always like, we did that for our other child and had all her memories out there. And we won't have that for him um, this time. And they still have it. They've, it's been two and a half years now. They've not returned my stuff. Um, we've been working for two years now to get the footage from my home of the FBI raid. They will not release that footage either. And that footage belongs to me. I have the right um, under the, fe the federal code to have that information and they will not release it. Um, we're at odds with them right now, actually going back and forth to get that footage. We had our attorney general of the state of Colorado, Phil Weiser, 
and the district attorney, Dan Rubenstein, came out together in a joint statement to shut down what I was doing because when they came to my house after this was all over, the investigator there, I asked him before they left, why are you doing this? What do you think I've done that warrants all of this? And he told me, you are a connector. Well, that was not in the warrant. The warrant was like, what you know, conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And they were shocked to see I have dozens of dollars. So there was no payoff there. That was not in the warrant. And that should really alarm everyone who's listening right now. That was what they took to a judge to get approval to raid a law-abiding citizen's home, traumatize her family. They dragged my daughter up and down the stairs by her hoodie. She's 18, by the way, and they were, there was no reason at all for them to touch her. They took her phone. with That was not on the warrant. Um, handcuffed my husband, also not named on the warrant. No reason to do that. They just made such a spectacle to try to scare us, to try to shut us down, to try to get us to back off. And we did not. We doubled down. I reached out to every media that I had talked to. I mean, I just we just went bonkers trying to get the story out because we knew that if we didn't, they were going to say it never even happened. And um, the attorney general and the district attorney actually did a joint statement together, pushed it out publicly, saying that there was no physical um, there was no physical force used in the serving of these warrants dot, 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 at, and they named a specific person's home that had, that was not my home. They won't talk about me. They won't say my name. They won't acknowledge what happened that day. And now the federal government will not release the footage of the raid at my home. So I know that, you know, I'm a regular person. Uh, there's not anything special. I don't have a degree. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have any reason to be in the position that I am in and that I am now working in, except that, again, I know my authority. I know the law. I read my constitution because it was made for people like me. It was written for normal, regular people like me to understand and to use as my authority as a citizen of this country so that I could put my government in check. That's what the founders hoped we would do. It's what they expected of us. It's what they believed we would do. And for that reason, that makes you and anyone like you, Gigi, you do the same thing. That makes you the government's number one most concerned enemy. You are on that watch list because they know you know your own rights and you know your authority. And that is very dangerous to a government that is seeking to destroy you. Thank you for sharing that, Sharona. Now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Mm, sorry, my little light went off. Oh, walking with purpose and happiness. I There isn't any substitution. I mean, you have to have a relationship with the Lord. There's no substitution. Um, I, I live a very disciplined life um, for the most part. Every now and then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, but I, I, I keep my life very disciplined and in order. Um, I'm constantly in communion with the Lord because you don't want to be on. You, you, it's not about God being on your side. It is about you being on his side. It's about making sure that your plans are lining up with his, right? A man directs his, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's what I always, um, I want to, I would really impress that on your viewers. There are a couple things that we know for sure. We know that we're citizens of this country. Um, and we know that uh, we're a constitutional republic. And in order for a constitutional republic to work, it requires the citizenry to be involved. So civic duty is a part of our citizenship. 
It is, it, it's like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth. It's just what we do. And it should become an active real life thing that we all do. Um, you've seen it. And I'd love your, your insight on this too, Gigi, with the churches. The church is declaring a separation between politics and everyday life. And that's why we're in the situation we're in. You know, everybody hates politics. It's like the gross backbiting. It's like the National Enquirer, right, of, of the policy world. People are gross. They say all kinds of nasty things. They do gross stuff. 100% agree with that. But policy will get you every single time. And policy is what is ordering the steps of our lives here in this country. Policy is allowing men into girls' bathrooms, men into women's sports, um, you know, pushing this pedophile agenda in our school system. That's policy. And policy is what people have to be a part of. It's our civic duty. So the discipline of my life is the daily, every day, what I do, uh, what I allow into my life, what I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't make a lot of compromises anymore. I'm a very different person than when I started out this journey, but the Lord has really directed my steps and helped me to do. I'm sure you can relate to this when you decided to start doing your show and, um, and getting the word out in your way, you had to make changes in your life in order to make room for what God was opening the door for you to do. And that's really what's happened. Uh, I've, I've made changes to make room for what the Lord is uh, doing in my life. And I, I find really tremendous satisfaction in that. I wouldn't say it's always super happy. I'm not chasing after happiness anymore. I'm really chasing after joy and satisfaction because happiness is very fleeting. It's, you know, it's how I feel when I eat chocolate <laughs> and that's always the best thing for me. Um, but joy is the, for me, it's the kind of that overall, I, the Lord is pleased with me right now. I'm doing what he's asked me to do and he's pleased with me right now. I would also say, please don't be afraid to screw up. Don't be afraid as you get into whatever God's calling you to, don't be afraid to make mistakes and to screw up, to get fired, to fall flat on your face, to fail. I've done it so many times. I've put my foot in my mouth so many times when I was learning how to how to navigate this world. This is not I was I was mom. I was mom doing my little thing. And then all of a sudden I was thrust into all of this. But God gave me authority. He gave me confidence. I read the books. I did the work. I surrounded myself with people who um, I could learn from. Humility is really important in this world, too, as you know, to just be teachable. Um, to be willing to come under when you get it, when you don't know what you're doing. And so for those, I don't think anyone listening to your podcast are just living the normal traditional life as far as um, a passive life is what I mean, a passive life. Um, I love traditional life, but a passive life is is not um, what God's looking for right now. He's calling on, uh, he's calling on his children to stand up. He's calling on us to take up what he's given to us. He, when, when he left, when he departed, he told his disciples, he said, go get some cloaks and daggers. We're on a war. We're in a war. And he knew the heart of men. He knew how they behave. You've got to be on the offense. If you're on the defense, then you've already lost. You have to be on the offense in your life. And the best way for that to happen for you is to stay close to the Lord, to draw close to him. And I'm not even talking about making sure you're in church every Sunday, although fellowship is so important. I'm talking about like that, you know, just that, that intimate relationship with your creator. And for me too, I would say, and I've heard it from so many people who are in a very similar journey or similar path that I'm on is a surrendering and just really deciding. I 
am not going to be the captain of my ship. You know, I had a plan. I had a plan for my life. This was not it. This did not factor into it. And, but as we surrender our lives to the Lord, number one, he sends confirmation. I mean, have you been confirmed repeatedly in the path that you're in, Gigi? Like people have come to you and said, I have this for you. God's given me a word for you. I mean, so many times of confirmation that you're on the right path and God will send that. You know what I mean? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And um, really just surrendering what you thought your life was going to be and then watch what God does with it. What, it doesn't mean that you're always right. And it doesn't mean, you know, that me surrendering my life to the Lord does not mean that all of a sudden I became perfect one day and I do everything right. That is not what I'm saying. But there is a, a real confidence. There's a real knowing. And there's a real sense of, like I said, satisfaction now in knowing that I'm on, I'm going in the right direction. And he's leading me. And there's no, there's just no substitute for that. There's not. I agree. Wow. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Sharona. Now, where can the audience find you? Yes. Well, we are on every social media platform except for YouTube. <laughs> we did get taken down. We might try it again someday, but it's such a lot of work to have them just take it down over and over. So we're not there. Um, we have our show on Frank TV, uh, Frank Speech, Lindell TV on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 2 p.m. Central Time. And these are your stories. It's it's awesome to be able to get on there and share remarkable people who've done incredible things to inspire you. Um, we give advice, money updates, you know, all the things that you're wondering about that we couldn't ever talk about on social media, actually, or we get canned. We talk about that there on Frank Speech, Lindell TV. And then we're on every social media platform. I especially want to invite your guests, everyone who's listening to something we call the Patriot Call. This is every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, streaming live on Facebook, believe it or not, we're still there. And it is such an interesting call. It is for people across the country who are frustrated with what they're seeing. They need to know the truth. They need a word of hope and they need a call to action. And so I invite everybody to join us there. Um, there's no special membership required. It's just open to the public. And um, it's a fantastic, fantastic time with regular people and to hear what they're doing and how God is working. He is at work right now in spite of everything that's going on. So also americasmom.net, sign up, become a member there. And we're under, um, we're under tremendous growth right now. And it's very, very exciting. And, but I also think, um, as you know, growth is really challenging. So we appreciate your prayers and just your words of encouragement so much. And share us, share us with people who need to see like real regular people are, are in the war now. We woke up, we're here and we're figuring it out right alongside of all of you. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Sharona on americasmom.net. Again, that's americasmom.net. And Sharona, thank you again for being a guest on the Walk With Me podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Gigi. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. God bless.